Welcome to the Wags of SEI podcast, where we discuss life, love, and caregiving after spinal cord injury, hosted by Elena Pauly and Brooke Paget. Both our partners are quadriplegics, and after connecting online in 2017, we began the advocacy and support group WAGS of SCI, which is an acronym for Wives and Girlfriends of Spinal Cord Injury. So you must be thinking, what is the goal with this group? Our goal is and has always been to establish and nurture a strong network of women around the world who understand and support one another while navigating the SCI life. We know firsthand the challenges that come with living this lifestyle. And our mission with this podcast is to spread education, awareness, and positivity from our unique perspective. So join us each week as we tackle deeper discussions around balancing life as a caregiver and a lover to someone with a spinal cord injury. Thank you so much for tuning in to the WAGS of SEI podcast. Here we go. This podcast is proudly sponsored by Wishart Brain and Spine Law. Led by our personal mentor and lawyer, Robin Wishart, Wishart Brain and Spine Law is a uniquely specialized law firm located in Vancouver, British Columbia. They focus their practice on complex spinal cord injury and traumatic brain injury cases, and they work with clients all over North America as advocates and a much needed resource in the spinal cord injury community. Robin and her team look at their clients differently than other firms. You're not just a case, you're a person with a family, a life, and a purpose. They are always looking for ways to help improve the quality of life for their clients by providing the support they need for their recovery, such as assisting with insurance and benefits paperwork, finding resources for home adaptations, setting up medical appointments with doctors and specialists, and making sure that their clients are doing physically and mentally okay. Wish Our Brain and Spine Law is proud to support WAGS of SCI. Robin is committed to helping clients and their families any way that she can, because she wants you to live your life and not your claim. Your first consultation is always free. So contact them at brainandspinelaw.com and make sure to mention that the WAGS of SCI sent you. This episode is sponsored in part by Camp Possibility. Camp Possibility is a one-week adapted camp for young adults aged 18 to 40 who have spinal cord injuries and their partners. This camp takes place in Martinsville, Indiana and runs from August 1st to 6th, 2021. Registration begins February 1st and there are limited spots available. For more information, visit www.camppossibility.org. That's camppossibility or email lauren at camppossibility.org. You can also find them on Facebook, Instagram, or you can contact us at wagsofsei at gmail.com and we'd be happy to connect you. Hurry as registration begins February 1st until all 24 spots are filled. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Wags of SCI podcast with your hosts, Brooke Paget and Elena Pauly. Hey, everybody. So we've got another 
kick-ass guest on today. We've got Trish St. John. We're super pumped about this podcast episode because we are going to tackle yet another taboo topic. And uh, we're going to have Trish explain everything she does in our community of SCI. So Trish is the founder of Sensual Solutions here in Vancouver. Another Vancouverite. So that's incredible. Sensual Solutions was created for adults with physical disabilities to gain access to their bodies for self-pleasure. Intimacy coaches work with men, women, and couples to facilitate sensual exploration and sexual expression. Trish has been recognized worldwide for her promotion of access to sexual health as a human right for people living with disabilities. So welcome today, Trish. We are so happy to have you on. Oh, I'm happy to be here. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us. Um, I know that a lot of our listeners may have seen the Vice episode that you guys did. I think it was back in 2016 um, about your company where you interviewed someone with a disability who used your services. And it was so taboo back then. It's still taboo now. And that's why we're excited to speak to you more in depth about what exactly you do and why you started this company. You know, this is something that our followers just don't talk enough about and they don't hear enough about it. So Trish, why did you create this service in the first place? Um, this, this little organization called Sensual Solutions was created from a variety of reasons. Um, I had memories. It goes, the backstory is such that when I was younger, I recalled in my classroom that Anytime we were going to discuss sexual health, uh, the person with the disability was rolled out of the room and not allowed to listen or learn. And I was very curious about why that was, and I, I always felt that it wasn't right. Uh, then I went on and had a career in uh, the financial institution industry, and I was there for about 22, 23 years, uh, and I decided to take an early retirement. When I did that, I got bored after about a year, actually, and then I decided to uh, take a job as um, on the desk of an escort agency. So my job was as a phone person, uh, it's almost like a taxi dispatcher. I would book appointments with clients and escorts with a legalized uh, escort agency and book appointments. And I did that for about seven years, part-time. And what I found there was that there were uh, once in a while, a client would, a person would call up who would have a disability. And we sometimes had a hard time getting someone to see him. And so that stayed in the back of my mind as well. Uh, and then as I started to uh, think more and more about this, I had an interesting thing happen. I had this, I was single and I was uh, out shopping and I had this really flirtatious experience. It was probably back in um, 2007. Uh, I had this very flirtatious experience with this gorgeous guy rolling around in his wheelchair. And I thought for a second he was working there because he just kept rolling around me. And then finally he started talking to me. We had, uh, to make a long story short, we had this torrid summer affair and uh 
it was amazing he was (laughs) that's incredible yeah he was just amazing and made me feel so great um and i learned a lot from him so the combination of that led me to move away from an escort agency and start my own different type of service. But be- before I did that, I also did a lot of research and had a focus group on Craigslist, a focus group of about 12 people with uh, physical disabilities, and just asked them a lot of questions and uh, used that information as well. And then I launched the company in the fall of 2011. Wow, that's really, so 2011, you you have been around for quite some time now. And so, so I guess you've sort of answered this question already. But um, so how like, when was that, I guess, point for you? Like, what was that point for you to realize that there was this like need for these kind of services in our communities? Like, what was it that maybe you just want to dive right into creating this service specifically for the disability community? That's an interesting question. I think I've always been a bit of an advocate for the underdog at heart and seeing um, what was happening in my part-time job, I just couldn't get anybody to do these appointments with people with disabilities. Or we would find that we would send somebody to an appointment and the person did have a disability but never disclosed it. And so um, the sex worker was really upset. Um, so that stayed in my mind. And as well, some of the stories of the people with disabilities uh, chatting on the phone, trying to book them appointments. It was um, hearing how fearful they were. Some of their own personal experiences hadn't been that great. So they really wanted to go with uh, a trusted agency. And um, that always interested me why there was so much, um, they were very vulnerable. And so that kind of clicked with me. I thought, why are, you know, what is out there? Why aren't we doing this? This is just, to me, it's just a no brainer. That's really cool. I like what you said about, you know, showing up to clients and they're not disclosing their disability. I feel like even now, like people, you know, I want to say like we want to be on an equal playing field with everybody. But I feel like a lot of the time it's people just don't disclose their disability. Brooke and I were talking actually to somebody our last podcast guest about this and, you know, the dating sites, how people are still so reluctant to, to post a photo of them in a wheelchair because they don't know how it's going to be received. We're still in that tricky time. Um, you know, even 2021, we're still kind of in that iffy, iffy space of how to navigate that. Um, so I'm just going to come out straight up and just ask you very clearly, are your clients and, and your workers able to have sexual intercourse with the client? It always depends. It depends okay. on the, it depends on the client. It depends on what they want and um, what they're hoping to achieve based on their injury. They may be able to have penetrative sex. They may not be able to. So it just depends on the client. Our We have some coaches that offer that service. Okay, so that was very clearly answered. That is really great to know. So how, how involved 
I guess you said that some some of your workers do offer that service, but what is a typical sort of scenario? Can you walk us through, like, what can somebody expect when they, they call you, they get the booking, and then they have that individual showing up? Can you walk us through that sort of scenario, what they can expect? Sure. Well, uh, someone will call me up, or it could be a parent of an adult child with disabilities. It could be a caretaker, a care aide, caregiver who calls, and it could also be the person themselves. So they would call up and I would get a sense of what they're looking for, what they're hoping to achieve, uh, go through some questions with them. And then I um, send them a client intake form, which would be filled out electronically uh, and then sent back. And once all that information comes back to me, I would work with them to pit, pick a coach that uh, is best suited for them. And that could be based on a bunch of things, what the injury is, what the requests are, um, the geography, whereabouts this person is located. And then once we have that discussion, I would uh, arrange a date and time for the client to meet the coach. The coach We'll visit homes, group homes, hospitals, hotels, and friends of the client home as well. Uh, and so once we know all of that information and then we set up the appointment, the coach would receive all the information and have access to the intake form and start to set up uh, what he or she would, uh, you know, kind of the content of the session. And then the appointment takes place. The coach will go to the, uh, any of those mentioned places, shows up and um, has a conversation with the client and proceeds to uh, go into whatever it is that they're looking for. And then once the appointment is over, the coach will call me and let me know how things went. And then I will send the client a feedback form and get information back from the client on how the session went. Would they repeat? Would they recommend to a friend? Um, all of those types of things. Did they feel safe? Uh, and so on. It's very interesting. It's such a personal experience. Like, I mean, you would have to know your your girls or your coaches so 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 well and trust them so much like you know in the traditional sense I mean I'm sure you know about this working um, at an escort agency normally it is the escort that needs to be protected from predators and it's kind of a different dynamic in this situation where the person with the dis disability is more vulnerable and it's the client that needs to be protected so what do you look for when you search for coaches and how, like, what are some of the um, prerequisites that you look for when someone applies for, for this position and how well do you have to get to know them yourself? So the hiring process is quite rigorous. Uh, it is, we hire women and men, um, no matter how they identify. Uh, and we, start off with a conversation and then we start off. And then after that, if, uh, 
if I get a good feeling, a good sense of them, then I will send them a formal application form. And the conversation, what I'm looking for is I'm looking for empathy and compassion. I'm looking for someone who is sex positive, and they do not have to come from the traditional uh, sex worker background. So we have people on staff who are a clinical sexologist. Uh, we have um, a Reiki person. We have someone who's very much into Tantra, uh, meditative massage, uh, healing touch, somatic sex educators have applied, uh, sexological body workers. So what we're seeing is a growth in the fields that have to do with uh, helping someone access their body, helping someone uh, achieve pleasure and learn how to use their body for pleasure. That's so interesting. That is very yeah. interesting. And it's like you would have to know these people so, so well before you kind of like, do they start off going to the client's house by themselves or do you accompany them or like, what's the level of trust there? Before they can actually go see a client, they have to complete this formal application form. They have to submit to a criminal record check. They must provide all of their educational background uh, proof of that and references. And once they do that, um, they do have a choice because this is kind of a new industry uh, or a new field. They do have a choice whether they would like to use their real name or whether they would like to use um, a different name. And then we would get together uh, and I try and have as many talks as possible and I send them as much information as possible. We also then, when a client calls in and I have a recommendation for him or her, I can, it depends on the level of comfort with the client. Sometimes the client says, absolutely, send, yes, let's go for it. Let's do this next week. Uh, or um, I'm a little fearful. I don't know your organization. Can we meet? So either I would meet with the client or myself and the coach would meet with the client. It just depends on the level of um, security and safety that the client feels. So we're totally open. We understand all those uh, hesitations. So we're, we're there for them. And if we can make it easier for them, then that's what we're going to do. I love that. This is just such a cool service to have even an option for in the community. I'm still kind of like trying to wrap my head around it. Um, would you be able to disclose to us, have you had any kind of um, like, what is the ar array of fetishes that your clients and um, I guess would ask for? And are your coaches able to deliver um, based on personal needs and pleasures and, and desire? Fetishes, my goodness, that's quite the jump. Okay. <laughs> well, I think it, I think as far as we're fetish, dying to know. <laughs> well, it's like we always get you always get those ideas of like there's lots of fetishes in the disabled community. I think that's one of the topics that doesn't get discussed, but I also think it's something that some somewhat of a misconception. So, like, do you get people asking for fetishes, or do they just want to be cuddled? And like, what's the common kind of request? Well, I'll give you a few examples. So for, for a young man who is newly injured, a spinal cord injury, he asks, am I going to die and will I have sex? So those are the two most important things on his mind. And sometimes, sure. that, sometimes that injury is, there is an ability to 
perhaps retrieve sperm if someone wants to start a family. We all know the sperm retrieval is out there and it's quite accepted uh, if you're wanting to start a family. But they also want to know if they're going to feel pleasure. Some clients do, depending on their level of injury. And then we have other clients who don't have feeling or um, find that they need extra stimulation. So when you say that fetish is a kind of, it's a miscommunication, we'd have to agree with you that the fetish term for people with disabilities is not really a fetish. It is more of what they really need to be able to, to be stimulated. So while someone else might think, oh my goodness, you're going to use that that large dildo uh, with that vibrator, and they might think that's a fetish, uh, and you're going to play with my anus with that, and, but it is necessary, and they usually know, the clients usually know in advance. If they don't, then we just explore. Uh, and then they find out that they that some of them do indeed want to have uh, someone be available who who's open to fetish play. But again, as I say, fetish play for people with disabilities is is um, a little bit different, and yeah. we've experienced this in a variety in a couple of different ways. But yeah. That's very Does that interesting. answer your question? Yeah, that's a really good insight into yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I was going to ask, actually, do you get men? Because like, we have a lot of single male followers um, who are disabled that don't have partners. And they don't know what they like or dislike. So you mentioned that, you know, sometimes people don't really know what they like. But do you get that where it's like someone wants to have a sexual experience, but they really don't know exactly what they want and do you have a solution for that like do you are you able to to pin them with somebody who can help them explore more of what they do like sure yeah that's why we're called sensual solutions (laughs) yeah it's pretty cool of course no uh yes when a client comes in um uh we do get referrals and so when a client comes to us and they're very they may be very shy they may not have uh, touch their own body and they may not have ever seen um, the gender that they're attracted to. They may not have ever seen that person naked as well. So they don't have a sense of anatomy. So we offer that uh, as part of it, that perhaps they'd like to learn. For example, a male who's um, heterosexual might want to see a female's anatomy and understand how it works. Um, basic kissing. All of our clients want to be kissed. All of them feel that that's a connection that no one ever gives them, ever. So wow. that, is, that is a big one. My, our coaches, that's the first thing I'll say to them. If you cannot kiss, please, you know, don't, don't get into this. Maybe go back and do, you know, sex education or something, but our clients really want to kiss. I do have another question um, about boundaries boundaries in general um, for the therapist, for the coach and for the client. Do you have like, there's a lot of um, men that message us that are just extremely lonely. And I'm sure you see this a lot where they're just not desperate, but just like they really, really, really need love in their lives and they want it so badly that it hurts. And it's heartbreaking, but I, I understand, like I understand their pain and I'd, I'd kind of want to know 
what happens if a client gets too attached to a therapist? Has that ever happened? And then vice versa. Have you ever had a therapist that has like fallen in love with a client? Not yet. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, As far as boundaries go, we watch for those. We have red flags in place that we watch for. Uh, But really, our service isn't about having the client come back and come back and come back. Our service is to help the client move forward, be to be uh, a uh, member of the community that wants to date, that wants to get married, that wants to have children. So whereas in the sex work industry, they want the repeat business. Yeah. Now it's not to say that it's not to say that they're going to uh, just have one session, but uh, there, there are, protocols in place so that we watch those red flags uh, and we have not had too tough of a time with it Uh, but yes there are boundaries on both sides when we hire a coach we want to be very clear what are her or his boundaries as far as what he or she will allow their body to be used for it's their body it's their consent so uh, if they're using parts of their body then that would be something they would need to tell me what Uh, works for them and what doesn't as far as uh, their boundaries. Uh, A client may have boundaries and there's a lot of consent. So throughout the appointment, there's, we check in with consent, especially with our nonverbal clients, clients, we have to work with them. Um, But the people that we have on board are wonderful and they all have experience working with people with disabilities. And uh, it's, it's been great. That's amazing. Again, there's a code of ethics that our coaches sign as well. They have to adhere to our code of ethics and uh, the whole values behind our company. Uh, and um, that's something that we, we make sure to, that they're following. And what about safe sex? Um, do you guys have policies for, like, do you require the client to get tested before they have um, in, an intimate encounter with one of your coaches and vice versa? You know, very tricky question. Because of the way the law is right now in Canada, we cannot ask that. Interesting. But yeah, yeah, we huh. can't ask anything to do with that. However, uh, I make it very clear with our coaches that they must keep their sexual health as you know whistle clean as possible, and safe sex. There's uh, there's really no other method. Uh, safe sex is what people have agreed to. Otherwise, the service isn't offered. So that means condoms, that, you know, whatever kind of protection that people want. Um, That's awesome. Hmm. That's great. Because then it just makes it that much more safer. Do you cater to couples as well? Like, let's say my partner and I wanted to explore with a third party. Um, Would you... Are, would you be able to offer your services to both of us, even though only one of us has the injury? Or how would you go about that? Right. Yes, we definitely see couples. We see couples who are interabled uh, as well as disabled. And again, it's just what they're hoping to achieve. We do have very sex positive coaches who are interested in helping couples achieve pleasure. If that means, for example, our disabled couple clients, we have the most fantastic coach who will work with them and basically help them everything from getting undressed to being in position 
making sure they're safe, leaving the room, and then there's some kind of communication method, whether it's a bell or <laughs> what have you. And then the coach goes back in the room and perhaps they've just been, they just want to make out. So they're, they, we get them in a position where they can actually be cuddled with each other, be embraced and feel like lovers. And uh, their, their feedback is people see us all the time. They see us naked. It's no big deal. We've gotten over that a long time ago. Uh, but what we don't have is intimacy. So the coach will uh, endeavor to create an environment for that and help them build intimacy, change their positions and so on. When it comes to an interabled couple, it just depends what they're hoping. If they're looking for more ideas, if they're looking for um, ways that perhaps, uh, let's say it's a heterosexual couple, ways that the male can perform on the female it, it just depends. We're very open-minded. We just want to come up with solutions. Yeah, that's. this is really wild to me that this isn't more of a mainstream thing um, in not just the disabled community, but the rehabilitation community. Um, at healing after an injury, healing after a traumatic injury. Um, because, you know, we deal with regular nurse appointments, regular occupational therapy appointments, regular physical therapy. You know, they have doctors that specialize in, you know, sperm retrieval and, you know, uh, medications. But when it comes to this kind of stuff, it is so important. I would say the number one thing, um, the number one issue uh, in our community is trying to find intimacy again after a spinal cord injury. It's the number one topic on our private group. It's the number one thing we get asked. Um, it's a mystery because it's not talked about and it's not facilitated and it's not supported. And it's just your, your company is so legitimate. You have such a great process. You have everything down pat as far as hiring. Um, it, you know, I understand that there could be things, you know, companies that pop up that are just not appropriate, but it kind of ruins things for the ones that are doing things properly. Do you know what I mean? And it just, it's not available to everybody. And I feel like it should be right. Mm -hmm. Right. It's just one of those things that like, you know, Elaine, I'm sure you agree with me. Like if we were offered something mm -hmm. like this, even in GF strong, Hey, do you guys want an appointment with sensual solutions? This is available to you. You can have a, you know, a, a coach come in and answer all your questions and coach you through right. these things. I mean, I just, I am flabbergasted that that's not available. Or even, even, you know, opening up the space for conversation, even around sex. I know that when we were first in the, you know, the first uh, month of rehab or whatnot, you know, even talking about sex was like not something that anybody really did. Um, I know that you had mentioned earlier, Trish, you know, the, the two main questions after SCI is, am I going to die? And can I have sex? And you're totally right. Those are totally the, the first two questions that we had. I know probably you did too, Brooke. And, yeah. you know, even having conversation around sex with the professional was like a very, it's very sterile. It's not like something that you're excited to explore. Um, and I feel like a lot of couples sort of get left to do that on their own, but without really any tools of even, you know, welcoming open conversation around that. I know you had mentioned earlier, Trish, um, kissing is a big part of the business and what a lot of uh, clients and customers would like. How has that changed through the pandemic? Has it changed? Yes, it has. 
uh, for about a year now, we haven't been doing uh, in-person visits. It's been so sad. Um, we've been offering uh, some video sessions. Uh, so that's kind of started up now. And um, our some of our clients have called saying they've been vaccinated. And when will we be open? So hopefully, Aww. yeah, hopefully we can return to the in-person visits um, sometime in the summer. Yeah, that's it. It is really sad because you know a lot of the a lot of your clients are so isolated already that adding a right. layer of this on top of it would be really really tough. Yes, yeah, yeah. it has been has been, uh, but we're hanging in there. Yeah. So are you and are you able to do like Zoom call meeting sort of a thing, or do you even like um, I guess like long distance? sexual like like over the zoom sort of stuff are you able to do that we don't do any erotic work over over zoom unless there is some for example we have one coach who can provide over zoom uh help on masturbation techniques that's for both for both male and female that is amazing and so yeah so there's uh, conversation and direction um, and trial and error that way. Uh, and then there's some of our clients want coaching on how to start the conversation with their care aide or their sister who won't let them use the service. Uh, lots of interesting little uh, dynamics with families and people who have disabilities. So uh, we will coach them on how to uh, open the conversation, how to get the conversation going, how to, how to do that when you're hiring, when you're looking for your care aid, uh, to make sure that your needs are included. Very, very interesting. And that was mm-hmm. sort of going to lead into my next question for you was, what kind of pushback have you heard? Like you just mentioned from friends and or sort of care aides or family members who are there to assist the patient or the client. But what can you give us some examples of, of what sort of conversations have come up that way from, you know, the standpoint of, you know, maybe this is not something that we're comfortable helping you do or participate in. And have you what, what kind of pushback have you had that way? Right. I have to be honest and say not a lot, but there have been a few stories where a client will call me and say, uh, for example, my sister, I really want to use your service, but my sister says that, you know, save your money, I will help you, I will offer, I will do the same types of things. And he uh, was not happy about that at all. And he, he, it sounded like he didn't have much choice. And I did not like that. Um, so wow. he really wanted to get out of that situation. Um, but because there was a cost around it, so that's kind of uh, what can happen uh, around the cost. Um, and then most of our feedback has been, for example, parents of adult children with disabilities have said, oh, I've always wanted to do this. Why didn't I start this? <laughs> yeah. And uh, good for you and all this. And, you know, my I have a son, I have a daughter. And, uh, they really need this. And so um, there's been not too much pushback. When I first started the business, within the first week, I had the most wonderful meeting with uh, the sexual health department at GF Strong and the Blusson Spinal Cord Center. Their nurses and Dr. Stacey Elliott met with me and, to find out more, and they were so pleased 
and unfortunately, we can get to this in a minute, a little bit more in depth, but unfortunately, they cannot endorse me publicly. Um, but they were so pleased that I was out there as another option for people besides looking at the back of the Georgia Strait and looking for sex workers. Uh, so not to say that there aren't sex workers out there who don't do a great job. There's many who have disabled clients and uh, that works well for them. Uh, but pushback, no. And then also that same first week, the group of peer support workers, there was a group called EASE, Equitable Accessible Sexual Expression, made up of volunteers of people with injuries. And they met with me that week too. I thought, oh my gosh, what's going on? And then, but they were both super positive um, and, you know, just gave me thumbs up. Thank you for doing this. Uh, the pushback, I've had one interesting conversation uh, when I was interviewed on uh, co-op radio from a gentleman uh, who was sure I was the devil and, uh, you know, leading people into prostitution. And that has been very sad to hear uh, because we, unfortunately, fall under this one horrific law in Canada um, that does place us under the auspices of uh, sex work rather than facilitated sex is the term that we use when we're talking about this. We were calling it medically assisted sex, but it sound, but globally it has taken off and the term globally now is facilitated sexual health practitioner. Yeah. Wow. Very interesting. And that's something I think both Brooke and I were sort of wondering too, right? Brooke was, you know, what kind of, what kind of pushback would you have from like, let's say religious organizations yeah. or government? And I mean, the thing about, the thing is that this service is greatly, greatly needed and you wouldn't be in business if there weren't people that were really wanting to, you know, take, take advantage of the service and be able to be a part of it as well. Even the same thing with sex work is, you know, if there's, if there's no demand, there's no supply. So, right. it, you know, it's, it's pretty cool what you're doing. Again, we're just like, wow, this is such an incredible <laughs> podcast. Yeah. It's really cool did, what you're doing. We did have, we did have a client that, has uh, cerebral palsy uh, all his life and uh, nonverbal. And he is a sweetheart. And his church group came to his group home to ask him, I don't know how they got into his personal life, but they came to ask him questions about this service. And, you know, he was going to be shunned by his church group because what they felt he was doing was immoral. That's and so, so oh my goodness. But That's very know, devastating. Oh, he was devastated. And his, his uh, friend slash carried uh, just took the church to task. And, and the, the client didn't want to tell us what church it was or what group it was, but his, uh, his friend got it out of him and went and talked to them and just... Can you know? First, he thought the friend thought that the church group was coming to visit uh, the client because of his wheelchair. He's been asking for help for a new wheelchair, or was asking for a long time. And um, the friend thought, "Oh, finally, the church group's here, and they're going to help him." No, it was to shame him. And, wow. Yeah. 
and out him that he was doing this. Wow. Just to reprimand him. That is just, yes. that's actually quite disgusting to be honest. Oh, um, considering <sighs> that these people that are in the church group are probably, you know, they go home and have sex with, with their partners themselves. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's all sorts of yuck. That's part of the reason why, I, I mean, sexual health is natural. Everybody's got the, you know, the anatomy, people are doing it, you know, why can't we just come out and talk about it very openly instead of, you know, me kind of like hiding behind religion in this case, or hiding behind um, trying to implement your values on other people and trying to control them that way. It's just, it's very wrong. So again, we're so thankful to have you on and just talking about this so openly, my God, we need this. this, I don't understand. You know, I just don't understand why, has science, why do we want science to progress to keep all these people, uh, to allow people who would not necessarily have lived a full life? But now with the science that we have and so on and the equipment, people are living fuller lives. And if you have, if you're differently abled from someone else and you feel shunned that you cannot access your own body, that everyone else can touch it, you can't feel it or use it for pleasure, or become uh, a lover, or have a romance. People are born with the same feelings. And you know, it's the same. You look at what we need in life. It's food, water, shelter, and love. And in, you know, and and then love slash sex, you know, I just, I think we have a ways to go. But I must tell you, globally, this is just, um, it's grassroots all around the globe and there are so there there's not a lot but there are several groups doing this kind of work and we're we are when you look at the un you know the convention on the rights of people with disabilities yeah when you look at the different disability acts in the united states and what we have here there's no reason why a professional cannot be offering this type of work uh it create it creates better consumers they contribute to the economy they want to look their best they want to smell good they want to start dating all of that adds to the economy if you want to look at it from business argument and all of that adds to equality and acceptance like we're in yes we're living in a world right now that is changing so fast like look at how fast the world has changed in just over a year Look at the acceptance that's happening. Look at the boundaries that are being dropped. Look at the shame that's being removed. Look at the people that are standing up for what's right. Because of, you know, access to information and because things aren't being tolerated anymore, these kind of things are going to have to come out of hiding. And I have a lot of hope. I do. Because... Uh, you know, even from being in Canada, I have no doubt that within the next 10 years, sex work is going to be legalized and regulated. There's no way around it. It has to be, right? I mean, people are calling for this all the time. It's something that it needs to happen. And so I feel like that's a big roadblock that'll be lifted for you when, you know, these things start being more accepted. And not just sex work that, you know, you're so right. This is a therapy. This is something that is a right as a human being. Um, you know, and for anybody to shame somebody for wanting to know their own bodies and to experience pleasure it because they're uncomfortable with it or because it's something they don't want to see or they think that it's, you know, unacceptable. It's just that is definitely moving aside in society. Um, that is something that I see 
is not going to be the case pretty soon because it's just, it's not okay. This, you know, these conversations are so, so, so important for inclusivity, awareness, acceptance. Everybody has a right to explore their own body sexually. Everybody. Yeah, absolutely. Otherwise, why would they make courses like body mapping or rewiring the brain? Like why bother doing that if you're not trying to find your erogenous zones and so forth. It's so true. And and like, you know, when you think about meditation and mindfulness and, you know, being aware of yourself and Kundalini, you know, that energy is energy and a lot of it is sexual. I mean, you can make Mm -hmm. the argument that Kundalini energy and your life force is sexual. Um, And, you know, you know, developing that and learning from it and getting, it's all part of getting to know yourself, which is, it's so, so important. And it just, that story like actually broke my heart. And, you know, we like to, we don't like to discuss religion too, too, too much in in our podcasts or platforms because we have a lot of very, very religious followers. However, there's always the bad apples that ruin things for the good, for for the people that are doing good, right? So, Mm -hmm. you know, we're not saying that all religion is bad, but I'm a firm believer that you can love God with all of your heart and love Christ, but still enjoy your body and still experience pleasure. I I don't think those two things should be exclusive for anybody. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. I honestly, like when you were telling that story, it brought tears to my eyes because it's sometimes it's just, it's just too much. Like when you think about people being discriminated against, just trying to find themselves and just trying to explore themselves. It's just, it's a human right. So I'm really, really glad that we're talking about this. Well, I'm hopeful. I hope you're right about the laws changing because right now it's just one huge umbrella law and it's about exploitation and um, human trafficking for the most part. What we want to do is see that law break out into different categories. Why do we allow people to receive education and become clinical sexologists, but they cannot do any hands-on work, which is what the field is based on the law in Canada. Uh, So the, there's several colleagues of mine uh, from a couple of different countries, the UK, the USA uh, and Canada, we're, we're really looking to put something together, a global uh, impact statement and also a global kind of um, curriculum, if you will, for this, uh, uh, sexual health practice facilitated sexual health practitioner certification and create the job first which is why I kind of you know I'll, I'll just create the job first see what happens and then because it's so popular obviously it's needed why wouldn't we want that to be uh, you know looked at as a credible source uh, and a credible field yeah. to operate mm-hmm. in that's really smart so kind of, absolutely yeah, and kind of like we do for SCI injury, for, you know, when you come out of rehab or whatever, from the sexual health department, we kind of uh, are the icing on the cake. They get all the theory and we can help them put it into practice. Yeah, totally love that. I feel like that should be a part of the part of their you know how they have like that living room at gf strong i feel like the two would go well together like sensual solutions and the overnight living room it's like that should be like an option like for an hour you could have somebody to talk to um, 
and, and explore a little bit more. Brooke and I are definitely wanting to tackle that living yeah. room at some point and re- mm-hmm. revamp. Cool. It's, it's a, yeah, it's, it's a project in its own. So we will hopefully resume after COVID ends, but um, that would be just like such a really great pairing, you know, just in a bit more comfortable zone and just being able to have real, real conversation about real human bodies. Yeah. You know? Yeah. We all we all got them. We all got yeah. that. So that desire and just you know again just getting outside of that medical model and just exploring these sensualities and these desires and normalizing conversation once again. Right. It's, especially when you're so focused on like the medical, um, you know, trying to stabilize yourself. If that's yeah something that you need to work on you're figuring out your medications your routines your new body and the loss of of certain functions that it would be really great to have something like really sex positive to look forward to right yeah And, and just be really excited about something I can tell you I've had um feedback that has put me over the moon I mean I'll cry it's just some of the feedback we get makes it all worthwhile that someone feels that someone took the time to actually uh, acknowledge them as a human being and just to be able to make them feel human and have dignity that that gives me so much hope to continue on and it's you know what to me it's a lot about consent um, and just expanding your mind like you know I, I remember when we were going through the sexual health process at iCord and it was great it was of course it was very medical um, but I would have killed to have something to know about something like this that like they would actually come to your house and and introduce you to these things in a practical way instead of just like trial and error over years right yeah, <laughs> and it's sure. like if you're consenting yeah. to it and it's safe and this is a proper you know you know you know trish you know the company um you know you're consenting to it i don't understand the difference between that and like a massage therapist like seriously i i'm not saying massage therapists are are, are coaches like this i'm just saying i don't understand the difference it's body work it's mental work it's quality yeah, yeah, qualifications. It's just being able to see that this is a recognized yeah. a career force, right? Instead yeah. of being such a stereotyped, yeah. you know, where does, I mean, we can unravel this for hours and hours <laughs> right, where that all right. starts from, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's just really, really great. Um, again, we're just so thankful to have you on and open. And so <laughs> one of the questions that I have for you, one of the last ones on my list is, would you be able to share some of the costs around the services that um, you provide? And how how would somebody like, is any of this, I, I want to say like, is any of this covered by medical, but I guess it wouldn't be, would it? Not yet. Not yet, but can you share some of the costs around the services? Sure, yeah, it's on our website as well, sensualsolutions.ca. The prices are listed there. Uh, we have uh, different um, levels. We have uh, coffee and cuddle, and that's $75 an hour. Again, not happening right now. It's in person. That can be either outside or inside, and it is... Um, for lack of a better word, it's non-erotic. It is fully clothed with uh, lots of hugging, uh, cuddling, uh, if the client would like that. Otherwise, it's you know companionship uh, and so on. And then that's, yeah, 75 an hour. The other option is, and a lot of our clients will start with that, with a coffee and cuddle, um, just to get a sense of 
uh, the coach and what it might be like. Uh, and so the next level up is the actual uh, appointment for an erotic session uh, for a facilitated sexual health session. It's two twenty five an hour, and it goes. Uh, the price goes down the more hours you book. So if someone books an overnight session, which uh, some of our clients have done just because they've never woken up with anyone, never slept with anyone. And so uh, that's two twenty-five an hour. But again, for the longer sessions, the price goes down. Right now we offer video sessions and uh, we're just implementing it. And that will be 75 for an hour. And uh, that's another way that they can get out of isolation and start talking to someone. And again, those sessions could be masturbation techniques, how to talk to your caregiver about your sexual health needs, um, uh, dating, helping to set up your dating profile and coaching on dating. And basically, you know, anything in that realm. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I love the, I love the coaching profile to help somebody, you know, set up their profile. Sorry. Um, yeah. I think that's really great and su- and such a great life skill to have in general. It's like putting together a resume, right? You want to you want to put your best foot forward. Yeah, guess, absolutely. Right? Yeah. So. And in this way we can help people that aren't just in Vancouver. We have clients from the United yeah. States. Yeah. Uh, we have we I was interviewed just a while back from in Ireland on their radio, one of their radio oh. stations. So it's it's uh, definitely getting out there. Um, the other one of our one of our kind of well, there's two people that kind of have led the way for people with disabilities. One is from the UK. Her name is uh, Tuppy Owens, and uh, she's kind of aging out as she, as she calls it. She's trying to retire, but she started something back in the 70s, and uh, they have some things now that are paid for through the National Healthcare Program in, in the UK. The other uh, kind of mover and shaker is Dr. Mitch Tepper. He's from the United States, and he has a lot of videos on uh, Tantra and basically how to have the best sex of your life when you have an injury. Uh, and he is, uh, you, if you can get him to uh, do an interview, he would be well mm-hmm. worth it. He's a wonderful, wonderful man. And so those two are kind of, uh, in my book, uh, have started it all. And also Corey Silverberg, who wrote, co-wrote uh, uh, The Ultimate Guide to Sex and Disability. Oh, very cool. We'll definitely have to look look into all all three of these. That's really great. Thanks for sharing that with us, Trish. You're welcome. Yeah, that's, that's really great. There's only one of you, Trish. I don't know. Right. You, you know, you're so involved and you're so you're so caring and you're so just I, I applaud you for being you. I, I mean, this is the world needs more of you. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. I found this. I'm sorry. I found this out so late in life. I, I, I was always told when I found what I love to do, it would never feel like work. And for the last 10 years, this is not a profitable entity. I've got to tell you that. Uh, but it's, it's close to my heart and I will continue to do it. And help and advocate for um, for those who deserve pleasure without apology. Oh, I love that. So incredible. So if anybody who would like to get a hold of you, if they would like to book a, a session with Sensual Solutions, how, do, how would they go about to do that? 
they can either go to our website sensualsolutions.ca and hit the button for uh, a house call as we call them uh, or they can call uh, the number is 604-836-6484 and if they don't get me they can leave a voicemail and I do my best to return voicemails within two days Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you so, so much for coming on today, Trish. We promised it wouldn't be scary. And I think (laughs) you've survived it quite beautifully. (laughs) It was a lot of fun. If I can do anything to help or provide more information or get you in touch with other people, just let me know. I I will continue to to be a a resource as whenever possible. Yeah, you're amazing. amazing. You're an incredible resource. You're an incredible advocate. And same goes for us. I mean, we really believe in you. We've followed your career. You know, we've we're supporters of you. So if there's anything we can do to assist you, we are more than happy to do that. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that so much. So once again, we just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you to all of you listening to our podcast. Thank you for sharing the time and the space with us today and for joining us for another badass episode about sexual health. So thank you again for allowing us to be part of your time. And if you'd like to reach Trish, please do so. We will never stop advocating for sexual health, uh, for disabilities, and neither will she. So once again, thank you for joining us. And until next time, you have been listening to Wags of SEI podcast with Trish, Elena, and Brooke today. Enjoy the rest of your beautiful day. Cheers. The advocacy and outreach group Wags of SCI is currently a volunteer-based operation. We raise funds year-round to pay for date nights for our couples, essential medical supplies that our members may not be able to afford, mental health support for our Wags, including counseling, and our amazing meetup led by our volunteer ambassadors around the globe. If you feel called to support our mission, please visit our website, wagsofsci.com, or donate directly to the Wags of SCI GoFundMe page. We thank you for your support to help make this group possible and make a difference in the lives of SCI couples worldwide.